So yeah, so thank you guys for having us back. We were here um, a while back. I can't remember when. Uh, Chris Marlowe, our CEO, spoke. Um, and that's all fine to Danny, but I was talking with Scott, and I was like, well, I really want to come and share. And so we had this idea. So we sent Chris to Africa. Uh, so Chris is in Africa right now, so he's flying back. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if he knows that we're here right now talking. So, <laughs> so this is fun for us to be able to do that. And are we ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. If you guys are like me, my brain is overloaded every single day. I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night, let alone grasp some big concepts like this. So I kind of wanted to set the stage, let you guys know what Help One Now does. And I know um, um, here at NRCC, we, we, we have kind of talked about oneness for this past year. For Help One Now, our thing for the past year has been, what if doing good was simple? Because we really want to find a way to have people to engage in this global poverty, this thing, this kind of messy but beautiful thing, and we really no idea. So we recognize that, that, people, that people's life is just, is just kind of crazy and chaotic. Not in a bad way, but we just have a lot of stuff going on. Um, I know my wife and I have five kids. So just, I mean, if you've seen Lord of the Flies, that's our house every single day. <laughs> So how can even we, and we got jobs and, and life and stuff just happens, but what if we found this way, this way to just engage in loving and serving others? Because to me, that's what it's all about. We have this Bible, and it's big, and it's huge, and I don't understand a lot of it, and it confuses me, but I know that I'm supposed to love God and love others, and everything else is going to fall into place. So that's kind of the mindset where we're coming from this morning. Now, I know you saw in the video, we're just going to kind of breeze through some of this stuff. You know, the, the, the orphan crisis, like, like you saw, every 18 seconds, a child somewhere in this world becomes an orphan. Every 18 seconds, someone loses a mom or a dad, or they're just really alone in this world. I'm not very good at math, but I know that the, the time that we're in here today, there's a whole lot more orphans in this world, and we want to put an end to that. As you saw... So here's kind of the orphan's reality. Only 26% of orphans attend a secondary school in developing countries. So that's like a middle school. Only 26%. Only one in two kids in Haiti even goes to school. 50% of adults in Haiti can't read. This is an issue that we want to solve. Uh, There are 1.2 million kids who are trafficked every single year across the globe. And 30 million people living in slave-like conditions. 30 million people. People say that slavery is dead. Slavery is not dead. Slavery is, is more rampant than ever before. We have slaves living in this country. We have slaves living in this area. We have slaves living in this community, in this country, and across the globe. And we want to put a stop to it because we don't think it's right at all. So anytime I'm trying to figure out, sometimes I'll go to the Bible. I'll try to figure out what's going on. And I love the way that James says it. James who was Jesus' brother, he doesn't pull any punches. James keeps it real. James is like, guess what, guys? Sometimes life's going to stink. Get over it. You're going to learn from it. James says here, which kind of cracks me up, he basically is talking about when we're learning, but we never do it. Now, this is not like, for me, I think about algebra. I learned algebra. Guess what, high school math teachers? I'm not doing it. I still don't know why you made me learn it. I have no idea. This is not like that. This is like learning but never doing. If I see a friend or I see a brother or a sister and I'm like, wow, you're you're really struggling. You're homeless. You don't have anything to eat. You know what? I'm going to do the Christian thing. I'm going to pray for you. Take care. Keep warm. I'm kind of cold, though, too, but I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. You can't have my jacket. I'm going to do that. that. That's what this is talking about. How dare us 
learn something about it, but don't take action. How can we know about all the stuff that's going on in the world and not do anything about it? The Bible is big. Like I said, love God, love others. How are we going to just sit here and not do anything? James says, no, that's wrong. We need to stop that. So more of the orphans rally is that many of them are either living in a tent like this or in some kind of conditions. I took this picture in uh, right out, or actually right in, in uh, Port-au-Prince in August. Uh, the earthquake was three and a half years ago. There are still people living in tent cities like this. The largest tent city in Port-au-Prince had 60,000 people living in it. Right now, there's still about 5,000 people um, in that particular tent city. But, they, but kids have grown up and only have known their home, their shelter, their, their life situation to, to live in a tent just like this. We know that human trafficking is getting bigger and more rampant because families are living in tents like this. And, and someone will come to this family and they might have a few kids and they'll say, I have a better opportunity for your kids. It's, it's better. I can take them. I'll take them to school. They'll get out of this tent. They can come live with me. It'll be great. Sometimes parents go, well, yeah, yo, yeah, that's great. Take my kids, please. I, I love my kids, but take them. If they're going to get education and shelter and food, please take them. But that's not what's going on. These people are taking these kids, and they're turning them into slaves. They're turning them into indentured service. They're turning them into sex slaves. They're turning them into, into just household slaves. So these parents are being, are being tricked. And, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes these parents are even selling their kids into slavery so that they can better themselves. More of the orphan's reality is sometimes the ones that do go to school are going to school in a tent like the one you see above. So um, obviously uh, we love that, that they're even in school but a very tough learning environment when um, you really only have a tarp that's kind of separating you from the other classroom. It's very loud. It's very hot. That's uh, just, just not a great learning environment. Um, many of you in here actually were able to help us last year build this school below. So there were, um, that's it, at uh, Gaetan's place where, where he now has 33 um, uh, orphans. He had a school, a, a tent school for 150 kids um, after the earthquake. He said, these kids need to go to school. So they built a tent school. And then, and then, um, and then uh, last year, you guys and, some, and a, ton, a ton of other people around the country helped raise money to actually build them a school. Now they have uh, um, almost 400 kids who go to the school below. It's, it's the exact same place where we took the picture, where I took the picture. So that's, um, it just blows my mind every time I see it, that that is the school now that looks like a school could be um, here um, um, in the U.S. So what we're going to do now is we're going to play a game. You guys like games? Really? Do you guys like games? All right. Well, here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. I don't have any prizes, so I'm sorry. But we're still going to play a game. So this game is called U.S. or Haiti. Now, I'm going to read a statement, and then I'm going to say, do you think that's the U.S. or do you think that's Haiti? Now, a couple people in the first service, they cheated, okay? They're cheaters. I'll tell you, if they were in here right now, I told them that they were cheaters, that they were trying to do one of these things, raise both hands. No, you can't raise both hands. Got to raise one hand or the other. So, USA or Haiti. Increasing unemployment rate. You think, if you think that's the U.S., raise your hand. If you think that's Haiti, raise your hand. Okay. No, you cannot cheat. You cannot do both. 
corruption. Do you think that's the USA? Raise your hand. <laughs> and if you think that's Haiti, raise your hand. Oh, it gets better, believe me. No. Struggling economy. Think that's the US? Raise your hand. Okay, if you think that's Haiti, raise your hand. Human trafficking issues. Think that's Haiti? Raise your hand. Think that's the US? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, an entrepreneur spirit. Think that's the US? Raise your hand. You think it's Haiti? Raise your hand. Okay. Beautiful landscape. Think that's the US? Haiti. Broken people. Think that's the US? Haiti. (laughs) Don't you mess up my game, but dang. Joyful, happy people. US? Haiti. Strong, passionate leaders. U.S. <laughs> Haiti. <laughs> okay. I cheated too. Every single one of them is both. Every, of course, right? Every single one of them is both. But we don't think of it that way, right? We think in our, in our, in our, in America, we have Oh, no, we don't have corruption. We don't have, oh, no, we don't have broken people. We never have broken people. That's, of course, that's why we send people elsewhere, because we don't have broken people here. We saw, I was, the, the last time, every time you go into Haiti, you see all these, um, all these missionary groups, and, um, and I, at one time, I was one of the, the teams who, um, who was wearing a t-shirt, and everyone had the same t-shirt, I'll never do that again, uh, so if, you, if you've ever done that, I still love you, but that's not what I like to do is wear the t-shirt that says, but I, but I saw a t-shirt that said Healing Haiti. And I was like, well, that's nice. How about we get shirts that say Healing the U.S.? Because we're broken too and we need healing as well too. But the point is that we're like, let's bring it back to the oneness, right? We're all one. God created us in the same image. God created us just like he created Haitians. God created America just like he created Haiti. We both have corruption. We both have a struggling economy. We both have unemployment rates. Haiti's unemployment rate right now is about 75%, which is a little different here than the U.S., but we both have it. We're both, we're, we're, it's, it's the same, right? It's the exact same. I'm going to show one more video real quick that kind of talks about, that just really shows. We actually did this video for um, our uh, Legacy Project this year, and as I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, it really hits home how this whole oneness, like how we're the same, like our kids are the same, our people are the same, our leaders are the same. What another part of that video shows is it shows, it goes back and forth. It shows Haitian kids getting ready for school. It shows U.S. kids getting ready for school. It shows Haitian kids, um, actually shows Haitian kids in an orphanage getting ready for school with bunk beds and a ton of other kids next to them. Then it shows, you know, U.S. kids getting ready. Then it shows... Um, you know, U.S. kids getting in the car and going to school, Haitian kids walking to school. But the, but the, but the theme of it is that they're the same. We have kids who want to go to school. We have kids who do different things. It might be different avenue, might be different means, but it's, I mean, we're, it's one. We're all the same. We, we, all, we all love our kids. Our kids go to school. Our kids do stuff. We, we work global poverty, but we, we also 
are advocates of serving locally as well, too. Um, but the difference between local poverty and global poverty is that it's, it's just to the extreme. So, so, so the poverty here is, is, is heartbreaking and, it, and, it, and it's devastating. Um, imagine that times 10 in Haiti or in Africa or in these developing countries. So here there are so many great nonprofits and so many resources and so many things like, you know, here, you know, you can go to the food bank or you can go to the rescue mission or you can get a few nights and stay somewhere. In Haiti, you can't. In Haiti, when you don't have food, guess what? You don't eat. You, 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 you can't go down to the food bank. You can't go and stay somewhere. Um, it's, just, it's just to the extreme. It's, I mean, and, and I, I hate to say you have to see it to, to really believe it and feel it, but that's what it is. I mean, here, if there are kids, we really don't see children wandering around the streets, right? I mean, we might see adults, but like, we really don't ever see homeless children because something's going to happen. Someone's going to take them in. In Haiti, you see homeless children. You see kids who literally do not have a parent, do not have a mom, do not have a dad. You have no one taking care of them wandering the streets, sleeping wherever they can sleep, with no resources, nothing. So that's kind of the, the, the difference. In the U.S., we have a lot of different resources, a lot of different stuff. In Haiti, they don't have, they don't have that. You know, I go back to the all nations, everyone. So why, so why do we think... Well, this is what I think. I think that as us in America or just anywhere, um, this is why we don't think that we're one with other people. Because poor people are stupid. Because we think poor people are stupid, and that's why they're poor. I know that we don't think that, but if we can categorize society as a whole, I think we think that poor people are stupid, right? Oh, well, that, well they're, just, they're just, they're not as smart. They're not, they're just, they're just stupid. That, that's why they're poor. I'll tell you what, every single Haitian I've ever come in contact with is way smarter than I am, <laughs> like to the extreme. You know what the funny thing is, too, is that sometimes as missionaries or as people, guess what we do? We go down to Haiti, and what do they want me to do? They want me to build a home. Guess what? I am ter- I'm a terrible home builder. Once, at times, I've gone down and painted. I'm a terrible painter. But as missionaries, it's the right thing to do to go love others. We're going to go down, and we're going to go and build a home. We're going to show you how it's done the American way. We're going to build homes. You, I mean, you don't, you don't want me doing anything around your home, guys, at all. Like... My father-in-law is coming in town later today, and I was already telling my wife this morning, I'm so scared because, like, the air filters haven't been changed and other stuff around the house, and I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble because of that. You don't want me doing anything like that, but it's our mindset, oh, yeah, let's just go down and show them how it's done. Hmm. Haitian, these people who are building homes in Haiti, they're great home builders, except Scott. Scott told me last service that he could build homes, so I'll let Scott build homes down there, but no one else. But that's our mindset. So at Apple Now, when we take these trips and, and go down there, we may work alongside of them for a day, a day and a half, but I'm not building a home. I'm sifting sand, and I'm wheelbarrowing, and I'm doing stuff that I know how to do. And we're hiring Haitians to build these homes. We're hiring Haitians to build that school that I showed you. We're creating jobs. We're trying to empower people. 
These two little elephants were made by a 12-year-old orphan about 10 years ago in South Africa. His name's Kanani. Now, Kanani made these. No one taught them. They're little wire elephants. And he doesn't sell them. He just gives them to all of his friends who come and visit him. Now, Kanani is, um, I think he's 22 now. He's in university um, in uh, Durban. We Facebook chat every now and again, which is just what, which just blows my mind. And he has this degree that he's getting. It's like civil engineering or something. I didn't even know what it was. I had to Google it. I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you, buddy. And I'm like, what is, what is, what is that? What he's doing? Like, I had no idea. Poor people are not stupid. I always like to show this little Jeep I got. I mean, who can make something like this? It even You can even pop the hood on this thing. <laughs> South Africa. I got this in Zimbabwe. It's like one of the coolest things ever. I'm a soccer player, so this is really cool to me. This is a soccer ball made of trash bags. We think anyone around, I mean, in the, this was in a village, about 1,000 people, about 400 kids, and they made this soccer ball of trash, and they were in, or out of trash bags. I always say, out of trash, my kids will, be, will smell it. And I'm like, it doesn't smell like trash. And I'm like, no, I mean trash bags. And I'm like, why well, does it smell like trash? I'm like, it's trash bags. But they, so when I, I had this brand new soccer ball, and I saw the kid with the trash bag ball, and I wanted to trade with him because I thought this was the coolest thing ever. And he was not dumb at all. He was like, he's trying to trick me. Why does he want my soccer ball made of trash bags and give me this brand new soccer ball? And through an interpreter for about five minutes, we were trying to figure this out. And I was trying to say, no, I'm not going to trick you. I just really love that. And he's like, why would you want this soccer ball made of trash bags? And finally, it worked out. We're good. Everything was good. I handed him the brand new ball. He handed me a soccer ball full of trash bags. And he sprinted home as fast as he could so I couldn't chase him on. And all the kids in the village ran after him. <laughs> now that I think about it, I hope he's okay. Uh, uh, I have my soccer ball. So, I mean, look, they made in Mozambique. They made this djembe for me. And as I was thinking about oneness, I was thinking, you know what? What's the, I mean, first of all, it sounds pretty good, you know? It's good. It's got good sound. And I was like, what I could do for everyone, since we're talking about oneness, is I could sing a song, a U2 song called One. So I want to call up Jen Allred, and she's going to come up. And, I'm just kidding. We are not singing. Um, but how cool is that, that I have a djembe? Who, who makes that? Poor people are not stupid. They may not have the opportunity, they may not have the resources, but the poor people are not stupid. I think of a guy that we always hang out with in Haiti. His name is Junior Bataille. He is one of those guys, you listen to every word he says, because he takes, he doesn't do this on purpose, he takes dramatic pauses before he speaks, and you know what he's going to say. is going to be awesome every single time. And half the time, I don't know whether to look at him, whether to take notes, or whether to tweet what he's going to say, because I know it's going to be amazing. And he's Haitian. He came over to the U.S., he went to Duke, got his degree, and he went back to Haiti because he felt like that's what he was called to do. That's what he was supposed to do. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's starting a, a business. I have heard rumblings that he may run for president one day, and I would vote for him in a heartbeat because I think he's brilliant. But he's also one of the guys, when you sit and talk with him, he doesn't do this on purpose, but, it, but, but he speaks the truth to you, and sometimes you just want to cry and go in a corner and suck your thumb because you feel bad for all of the missionaries who have gone down there and done stuff. And you talk about being one we go into Haiti, and we go and we take away jobs by building these homes and doing stuff. We give handouts all the time. And he kind of says, when you do that, he says, kind of takes away our dignity a bit. It's like you're looking down to us. 
He's like, it's not, we're not one when you're doing that. He says, Haitian, the only one who's really going to solve Haiti's problem are Haitians. He said, you have to come, you have to empower us to walk alongside of us, but don't hand us everything all the time. He said, because when you do that, in our mind, we're going to think that we can't do it anymore. We're going to think that we can't solve our own problems. So that's what we want to do. We know that poor people are not stupid and that they just need a little empowerment and a little love. So I'm going to go through this real quick. This is John Aleeks. John Aleeks is one of my heroes. He has um, he's planted 10 churches. He has three um, orphanages slash villages where he cares for kids. He's uh, built numerous schools. Uh, he helps lead about 250 pastors in Haiti. Um, and in his free time, he owns a business, and he's a businessman. So this man is amazing, and he was one of the reasons why we started Ferrier Village. We recognized there was some kind of trafficking problem. They, they didn't even quite understand it at the time, to be honest with you. They just knew that kids were disappearing, something was going on. Um, so after talking with the mayor, after talking with some of the local law enforcement there, they decided that trafficking was an issue. So uh, Ferrier Village is a few miles from the border in the Dominican. The road that goes through Ferrier is the most trafficked road in Haiti. So kids are being taken into the Dominican. They're being sold um, as workers, and they're also being sold into sex slavery and into brothels. The uh, Dominican is a destination country. Uh, There's a lot of poor areas, but there's a lot of resorts as well, too, which unfortunately drives this, um, just drives the business for uh, brothels and stuff like that. So... Uh, with the help of our local leaders, we created this place called Ferrier Village, and I know a few of you guys were able to get down there, and it's our goal for a lot of you guys to get down there and see this place. It's truly amazing. We started off, we had rescued 19 kids. Um, we rescued, uh, the mo- as, as our mind, the, the most needy, neediest of needy kids, kids who were literally wandering around, a four-year-old um, who, who was wandering around the streets of Ferrier for two days before anyone kind of realized that, hey, this kid doesn't have a mom or dad, anyone to look after him. He didn't know his name. Um, anyone. There's a kid who was found by the river in between the Dominican and Haiti, um, and they named him Moses. You know, they we're, they are literally our our staff down there and and the leaders sometimes are literally naming these kids as they come in because they have no idea, they don't know their background at all. Uh, all the kids came in malnourished, some on the verge of death. Their hair was orange. They were, I mean, I, I mean a few were kind of lifeless. Uh, we work with the social ser- um, Haitian social services to get these children. Um, um, if, if they're either found at the border or if the people taking them across are captured, um, we try to reunite them with their family. Uh, we've reunited, I think, eight so far, um, and, which is great, but some we know we will never be able to, uh, to uh, reunite. This is a little different than a, than a, than a typical orphanage. Um, we call it a village because we actually have little homes. We have house moms in every single home, about four or five kids in a home. They have two bedrooms with uh, bunk beds and a bathroom and a little common area. Um, and on the left is the community center, which has a kitchen, a chance for the kids to uh, do their homework and play. There's a garden and field and corn and stuff there. And actually right back here is a school, and behind that is a church. So they have It's like a holistic environment for them. The leader of the village, her name's Rosina. She's a former orphan um, under, under the care of uh, John Aleeks. And actually, her house mom 
when, when uh, she was growing up as a house mom at Ferrier as well, too. So it's funny to hear her tell stories on Rosanna when she was this big. And now uh, Rosanna's kind of her boss now, which I think is funny. Um, just a, a few quick stories. This is Dav Cathy. She was living as a child slave. She was rescued. When I first met her in August, she wouldn't talk. She wouldn't, didn't want any contact with adults. She, didn't, she always had a frown on her face. Um, I came back and saw her in November, and she was smiling, and she was actually, this, in this picture, she's actually on, um, on uh, someone's shoulders. So not only was she smiling and happy, but now human contact is okay with her, but she was living as a slave when she was rescued. This is, um, that's Wilnick. Um, Wilnick and I, um, I immediately connected because he thought it was cool that we had almost the same name. I'm Nick and he's Wilnick. So he told everyone we were related, uh, which was great. Um, his cousin trafficked, sold him um, in, into the Dominican. Um, and you can tell he's one of the older ones. He's kind of the leader of the kids. He kind of takes charge. You can tell he's got street smarts, but he's the, one of the sweetest boys I've ever met at heart. Um, uh, all the kids like to play with your bracelets and stuff and and um, so, like, he was always watching, you know, to make sure that everyone was caring for them and doing stuff and uh, or not, like, going to take them or do anything. And then after the appropriate amount of time that Wilnick thought was good, he went around every single kid and he got all the stuff back and then he gave them back to every one of the adults. He's just an amazing leader, um, always smiling. But, yeah, he, we don't know who his parents are and his, and his cousin sold him into slavery. Um, another boy, John, when I went there in... August, he had, he had just been rescued. He was 16. Um, he is 16. He went in, um, into the Dominican with a buddy of his who he was told, we're going to go and, and work, and I'm going to get you some, some work. Um, immediately, as soon as he got there, he was a slave. Um, he, he ran away from that situation. Um, the authorities picked him up. They put him in an orphanage. Um, he didn't want to be there. He caused a lot of ruckus. They kicked him out. He was in the streets again. And then, um, and then uh, finally he got sent back to Haiti. Um, and when I met him, he was very much teen angst, kind of not talking to you. I'm not smiling. Um, uh, he, was, he was tricked into going to Ferrier. He was mad. He was going to try to run away, all this stuff. I came back in November. I didn't expect him you know, to be there. He was one of the four kids at the time I was there who they thought you know, they're going to try to reunite with their family. I came back in November. I opened the gates. I saw all the kids. I hugged them. Out of the corner of my eye, I see John. And I'm, I'm like, kind of you know, wondering if he's still going to be mad or whatever. John's taller than me. And he sprinted up to me and jumped into my arms <laughs> and gave me a big hug. And I started to cry. And John's, and John's English is getting okay. And he said you came back. You came back. And I said, yes. And I was like, and you're happy. <laughs> and he said, yes. Uh, then I watched him throughout the day. and He was um, uh, combing the boy's hair. And he was just, he was just, he was just a, a, almost a fatherly figure to these kids. And I, and I talked. I said, has there been any... Um, I know that they were trying to reunite him with his family. And they, they kind of laughed and said, um, um, he kind of forgets where he's from now. Um, so that me- either, either means one of two things. He either had a very traumatic experience and he really did forget it, or he's loved, he wants to be there, and, he fi- and his situation, I guess, before was not good, um, and now he wants to stay and hang out in the village. So really quickly, these are some of the ways that we want to help get people involved. What if doing good was simple? He- here are some simple ways. And I know after service, or I think during service, Scott's going to pass out... Um, 
a sign-up sheet because we actually want to create some kind of committee to kind of help own this um, as well too. So you know, one of the things we do is called a garage sale for orphans, and it's just like it sounds. You take all your junk, you take all your excess, the stuff that you may not need, or the stuff that you know, if you got six TVs, maybe you only need two. You know, and you and you sell this stuff and you let it go to a project. I know the project that we're going to work on here um, is, is to build two more homes in Ferrier because it has a capacity up to 50 kids. And we always have a transitional home because we try to reunite some kids, but then we also know that we're going to continue to get kids who we will never be able to, to uh, reunite. So we're going to try to build... NRCC is going to try to build two homes at the tune of $20,000, which may sound like a huge thing, but when you get rid of... It's amazing. When you get rid of your junk and your excess... I mean, we've had small groups raised from anywhere from $100 to, like, $9,000, like, just from, a, like, a neighborhood garage sale. Truly amazing. It's also neat, too, because it's a way for you to meet your neighbors. It's your way to do other things. Because let's be honest, no one hates orphans, right? <laughs> no one hates orphans. I don't care if you love Jesus or Buddha or if you're agnostic or whatever. We can all be one and agree. I'm pretty much assuming that... And everyone's going to love orphans, or not at least not hate orphans, and work together for the orphans' cause. So one of the things we do is a garage sale for orphans. Of course, we have child sponsorships as well too. I know some of you guys are sponsoring uh, kids in Ferrier, and we're, we're we're so thankful for that. And um, um, if you're one of the ones who who uh, write letters to them, I see your letters when I go down there. They're pinned up on the wall. They all have a little area where they put the letters and the pictures that you guys send. So thank you so much for that. There's still an opportunity to sponsor kids, and then of course. Trips as well, too, because we want you to be able to go down there and meet the kids and see what's going on. Yep. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I was looking at my time. I, I know I'm kind of going over, so I wanted to go quickly. But, yeah, so we sponsor kids uh, two times and five times. We sponsor vulnerable kids twice, um, and we sponsor orphans five times. So, so uh, for example, um, uh, there's a girl at a Yavi Shamal Orphanage who my family sponsors. Her name is Ruth. So, so I am one of her five sponsors. There are four other people across the country um, who sponsor Ruth as well too. And that's just how much it costs to uh, care for the kids. So the vulnerable kids, we actually work with some vulnerable kids in some um, areas. They may live with a mom or dad, um, a grandparent, or, or, you know, a relative, but they're still living in extreme poverty. So we sponsor those, those, those kids two times to make sure that uh, they have food and are able to go to school. And then, yeah, trips. Our trips are more learning experiences. We, you know, like I said, we won't go down and build a home for a week, but we want you to come back from a trip, not going, "Look what I did down in Haiti. I'm awesome. I went and changed lives." And I used to be that guy when I was taking my early early trips ten or so years ago. I was like, oh, "I'm so awesome. I came back and I did. I went to Africa and it was so good and I changed lives." Well, we want you to come back and not say, "Look what I did," but what can I do now? What can I do now, now that I know what's going on? Now that I'm educated, like James said, now that, now that I'm educated, how, how can I really do something about that now? So I'd love to open it up to questions if we have time at all.